Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women by sharing their unique stories and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, a former school teacher and principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. Each week, we will feature stories from women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Welcome to the In Awe Podcast series feature In Awe Creativity. Friends, I am ecstatic to share today's guest with you and honored that I got the chance to have this incredible conversation with such a wise-hearted woman. She is deep and introducing her to you today is one of my favorite experiences of 2020 so far. At the age of five, Kinks by Nikki founder and designer Nicole Nikki Burton began her journey as an artist, a Columbus, Ohio native. Burton is a self-taught artist and designer who has her, turned her passion for drawing and painting into a sustainable enterprise. Burton creative instinct propels her to experiment with color and texture, producing a signature style that has evolved into a vibrant brand of wearable art that is far from ordinary. A classic Kinks by Nikki creation is uniquely outstanding because Burton masterfully combines colors, textiles, and cultural relevance together to create pieces that resonate with its future owner. Art should be appreciated, not discarded in a basement or lost in a jewelry box. Keeping with her belief that each piece should be a -a one-of-a-kind work of art, she intentionally ensures that no one hand-painted piece is the same. Everything I create is intentional and meaningful to the entire collection. Burton's process for creating new pieces manifests in the form of dreams. No pencil or stencil, it's all in my head. It is no wonder that Nicole's statement-making jewelry and clothing reflects the city that she inhabits and works in, which is bedecked in cultural significance and imaginative representation. Over the course of her successful 20-plus year career, Nicole has collaborated with designers, photographers, stylists, makeup artists, and activists to highlight, enlighten, and educate the significance and relevance of African-American art. Additionally, Nicole also operates a mobile art studio that turns any location into an art studio in minutes. She hosts themed paint and sip events throughout the year and friends she just published a one-of-a-kind coloring book color me dope you gotta get a hold of that she currently resides in columbus ohio with her husband three adult children and one grandchild so you may wonder how in the world i got connected to such a brilliant artist and i am absolutely giddy about the backstory many of my regular listeners will be familiar with the fact that i listen closely to the direction of the holy spirit that and i when i receive it i act so one day i was prompted to contact my much esteemed colleague dwight carter You may know him as an award-winning educator, author, and speaker. I know him as someone God placed squarely in my life when I needed him. And Dwight has blessed me in so many ways, including writing an incredible foreword for Lead with Faith. So what does Dwight have to do with today's guest? Friends, you're going to have to listen to the interview to learn that information and much, much more. In this episode, we learn how Nikki has always had what she believes is a God-given talent for art, and we learn about her wonderful life and experiences as a teacher, no less. Regular listeners of this show will not be surprised when we go deep beyond art and into spirituality and social justice. I am in absolute awe of Miss Nikki Burton, and I'm deeply honored to share with you today her creativity story. Welcome, Nikki Burton, to the In Awe Podcast. I am just so excited to get to know you through this conversation today and to share you with the In Awe community. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited as well. Oh, it's such a joy. I've been able to see some of your work, and I know that the listeners are just going to love seeing your work and hearing about your backstory a little bit. And I introduced you in your bio, but just wanted to give you an opportunity to share with our listeners where you are and what you're up to in this world and what has you on fire. I am in uh, Columbus, Ohio. I love, like, have a dream. 
and then get up and be able to envision it and then also just produce it and see it come to life. So that is um, a big thing for me. And I, I have a, a heart for kids, too. I want to hear yes. about that. <laughs> so I want to just, before we get further in the conversation, I want to make sure the listeners hear how you and I got connected because um, there's no other way to say this except that Dwight Carter is somebody that you know a lot better than I do, in fact. But a lot of my listeners are going to know the reference to Dwight Carter. He is author of a couple educational books, um, really inspirational leader in my field. And he and I have been connected for about a year and a half. He was so gracious and amazing and wrote just the best forward to lead with faith that just came out. But do you want to share a little bit about how you know Dwight? Yes. Yeah, so Dwight is my brother. Uh, he is two years younger than me. Uh, he and his t- twin, Dwayne, are two years younger than me. So I've known Dwight my entire life. Dwight and I both share a passion and a heart for kids, as well as Dwight is also an artist. I just remember when he bought his first house and we walked in and he had de- he had painted the walls with like a Kroger bag and some paint. And then he also created like the artwork on the walls that went that were especially in the living room. So I think that's um, a little hidden gem that uh, the world doesn't know about Dwight. <laughs> That's so cool. Thank you for sharing. And I will resist asking you some other embarrassing stories <laughs> on the air. <laughs> Might have to be for another time. Just kidding. Um, and it's so cool that you have that connection. And I love how you said you know, that you've known him forever. I think that isn't this true in any role that we're in? Um, nobody knows the whole piece of us. And I have so much respect already for Dwight. And I had no idea that he had that creative lens about him. So thank you for sharing that. It's really cool. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. So I'm curious too, and I can't wait to get into uh, sharing your passion and having you um, just really expand upon that. But I noticed on your um, website, it says that since the age of five, you've been this, had this creative soul about you. So do you want to share a little bit about your recollection in terms of maybe how that started? Did you have, you know, creative parents or what was it that you think fostered and fueled this in you? I'll say that I believe my talent is God given. Mm -hmm. Um, my bedroom walls were my canvas. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I remember, you know, having pencils. Um, I don't remember putting crayon on the wall, but I just, I know like having pencils and I would draw. So almost like, I don't know if you remember writing the word boy and then like making the word into the, the image of a boy. So I would do that, but I would do it with like black people. So it would be like, I would make the eyes and then do this hair in a certain type of way to make it an Afro because uh, I'll be 50 this year. So I grew up in the seventies where Afros were the hairstyle that everybody had. And so I remember uh, Bob Ross was my every Saturday morning art experience. And I wanted to do that. I want, I would not, play because I needed to watch the episodes of Bob Ross and painting happy little trees and (laughs) participating in those contests um, in the newspaper Mm. where, you know, draw this and then send it in. Um, I didn't get to send it in, but I did draw or um, getting the highlights books. I'm I'm aging myself a lot. (laughs) No, you you know what's funny is I have a common experience with all these things too that you're sharing. It's kind of cool. And and just, it's so fun to hear you. So keep sharing. It's it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, so like I used to love getting the highlights books and 
participating in that. But everything that I asked for, whether it be birthday, Christmas, whatever the case may be, was always something art related. Like I had Crayola art caddies. So I got one, but then like I wanted the next thing to add on to it, either for my birthday or Christmas. Like I would ask for Barbies or the Crayola art caddies. So anything that I wanted to do was always art based outside of being a tomboy and playing outside with my brothers. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. I love this image of you. And I love that you said it was God given because it seems like there's really no other really good explanation for that. Because as you're saying, I mean, so many of us, when you're growing up, you, you can only have an attention span so long for any one given little passion, unless it's something that's driven you. And clearly you've made a profession out of it and a, and a career and gifted so many people. And it's not just um, something you do for fun. It seems like something as I'm reading, and I can't wait to hear a little bit more about your passionate purpose in it, is that you're, you're, it's not only just what you create, it's what you teach and what you express through your art, um, which seems to be pretty deep. So do you want to share a little bit about maybe when that kind of, when did it shift from just wanting all the Crayola, you know, art boxes and watching Bob Ross, which by the way, my daughters, thank goodness for Netflix. They love Bob Ross. <laughs> yes. So good. Bob Ross, Bob oh, Ross that man, like he is the man. Yes. Um, <laughs> so in, like, and it's so funny because young kids don't really know who it is, but if you say the white man with the Afro, they're like, oh yeah, I'm like, that's Bob Ross. That's his name. Like, I'm going to need you to put a name with a face. <laughs> I love so much that there's just so much to this, the white man with the Afro but it, and, and this gift that he was in your life um, yes. and in so many, you know, to foster that passion that you have. Yes. It's so good. Um, yes. So for me, so I created all the way through like elementary school. So fourth and fifth grade is when busing occurred for me. So not being able to walk to the school that I've always known and then had to figure out where a bus stop was. And then my mom drive around to figure out where the school actually is, which was pretty far away from our house, was a different thing for me. But I appreciate my fourth and fifth grade teachers because they allowed me to use my gift of art. And I can't remember which grade, but one of my teachers, I decorated all of her boards. Mm. So whether it was the Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day, Christmas, and they will let me get as creative as I wanted. I was, you know, so I was smart. I got my work done. And then to hold my attention or, you know, not allow me to get in trouble, they tapped into, okay, let her do this. And, you know, they loved it. The kids loved it. Third grade, my teacher, um, my handwriting was better than hers. So I taught my class how to write in print and cursive. Um, <laughs> so I had my own little station, my own little section. And that's funny now I'm saying that because that would explain like, well, how I got into teaching in early childhood education. Mm. Um, yeah, that's funny. Um, so then after high school, like I loved art in high school, but after high school and when I went away to college, I didn't do any art. I didn't touch anything art related. I didn't buy any art supplies. I just didn't. And I picked it back up at the age of 25, being a single mom, two kids, no car, something to do with my time. 
I had fabric, I had fabric glue, and I just started cutting up my clothes and cutting up other things and repurposing them to make something else. And I would wear it to church and people started to notice, oh, where'd you get that? And I'm like, oh, I made this last night. And they're just like, well, nobody sits around and just make something last night. (laughs) Well, that's what I did. I made it last night because I needed something to wear to church. And so the first lady she likes, you know, exclusive things and um, one of a kind things. So she would start to ask me, like, so, you know, is this something that you do? And I'm like, no, I just, uh, it's just something that's in me. I see things and I just do what I see. And she was like, okay. So we had, the church was having a black business expo. Nothing that I had ever heard of, not ever Thought about seeing myself as a business person in respect to someone wants to buy what I'm making. But I it, I did it and got received very well. Um, some of those people are still like my clients to this day. Even my first lady is one of my biggest clients. So that's just kind of how I got to where I am now like 25 years ago. Oh my goodness. I have so many questions for you that I've just been sitting <laughs> on. First of all, can you talk to me? Who's first lady? What does that okay. mean? Okay. Um, so she is, her name is Brenda Troy. She's the first lady at um, New Salem Missionary Baptist Church. Oh. My cousins invited me and I, then I ended up living. So not only was she my first lady, she ended up becoming my boss. Mm-hmm. Um, so they also had a childcare center there. And um, I tell people God has a sense of humor and you kind of shouldn't tell God what you're not going to do um, because then it'll turn out being the very thing that you end up doing and loving because it's innate. Um, so I was never having kids. Um, I wasn't working with kids. I didn't even like kids. Um, and then I stopped working retail Um, was a single mom of two. Um, I ended up being kind of in a homeless situation and my cousin took me in and uh, leaving work one day, I had like a split shift job at the church and I was noticing across the street that um, there were some apartments and I'm like, oh, let me go in there and see, like talk to the person, like how can I get more information? And he was like, well, this one... um, it's going to be rented out to somebody. So I'm just getting it together, but here's the information. So I'm like, okay, I went back to work later on that day and I said something to someone at work and they mentioned it to Mrs. Troy. And she ended up writing a letter of recommendation. She knew nothing about me. I had never met her. I knew who she was. I just had never met her. And she wrote a letter of recommendation for me to get an apartment over there. The same apartment I looked at was the same apartment that I ended up getting. Mm. So it's, she's just been in my life. And I know it was like a God placement for her to be in my life at the times that she was. And so just doing God's will, so to speak, with some pushback. <laughs> a lot of pushback. Um, and it was funny because I ended up working at the church with kids based on uh, how I ended up there. My cousin called and was like, hey, um, one of my drivers didn't show up. Can you come over and drive a van? I'm like, girl, I don't know nothing about driving a van. Um, I don't even know where these schools are. <laughs> and I was just like, what? 
So she did me like she we went through the parking lot, did a quick like little test run. And there I was. And then after that, like I got hired on the spot and started on Monday. So it was a whirlwind. Like I had to find babysitters. I can bring my son, but I had to have a babysitter for my daughter. And every everything just kind of worked out. Um, because everything was in walking distance or technically didn't need a car. But there were other people that kind of came in my life that were able to get me to and from Michael's Mm -hmm. because at the time, one of the only craft stores that I knew about was Michael's. And so Michael's ended up being like my go-to place to get my stuff that I needed to paint. And it was all trial and error. There was no internet, no um, Google, um, literally all trial and error. No Pinterest. (laughs) No Pinterest. No, you know, people have it so easy now. And it was just not the case when I started. And so what was your role then that you were doing? I started out in the latchkey program, which was a before and after school program. Um, So I had to be at work at 6 a.m., you know, serve the kids breakfast, then, you know, prepare them to get ready to go to school, dropped off kids. I think I had four schools at the time. And then I would get a break throughout the day. So then during my break, I could go home and then I could paint. I could cook dinner um, because then I wasn't getting off work until six. Mm -hmm. So getting off work at six, like I still had my son who was in school. Well, he was in childcare at the time in the child care center below but you know getting home from working with other people's kids I still needed to be a mom to my own kids so you know being able to prepare dinner get clothes ready for the next day and then even like think about lessons and activities for the kids to do the for the ones that didn't have homework and then for the kids that had homework to be able to have something to do when they got finished so you basically became a teacher basically became a teacher (laughs) which my obviously my audience can uh really value and appreciate and i love what you said after you know serving everyone else's kids you still have to be a a parent to your own which is you know that never-ending challenge of restoring energy and so i love that how you said that um what you said, by the way, really resonates with me in terms of don't say what you're never going to do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that becomes so blessed. And I, it's not about me, so I won't share. But at some point, Nikki, I want to share my own story with you. And I love it. And another thing that I wanted to quickly go back to, and this is actually further back in what you were saying, but I think it's an opportunity that, and I feel called to just bring this back. When you said you were in fourth and fifth grade and busing had just started, can you just share your experience and what that meant for my listeners that didn't quite catch that little nuance. <laughs> okay. Can you educate us a little bit for you? What was, I, what did that mean? Okay. So the neighborhood I grew up in was predominantly black. The principal at my school was black. He was a male. Um, but we did, we had, um, Caucasian teachers, but the students that I, everybody I went to school with, they were all black. So when busing started, the school I got bused to was Clinton Elementary, which is in Columbus, Ohio, but it's like in uh, the area is called Clintonville. And that neighborhood was predominantly Caucasian. Mm-hmm. So it was a little scary because, you know, you have to the, the walk to the bus stop wasn't far. But then like you're trusting somebody to get you to school mm-hmm. when you literally used to just walk. <laughs> and now you got to make sure you get up on time to make the bus You know, and then even after school, like to make sure that you have your stuff together so that you don't miss the bus to get home. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but it was it was just different because I had to start going to school with people that didn't look like me. Yeah. And that I really didn't know a lot about. So it was it was just a little it was a little different. So many more questions. Is that something that your family elected to do or was that something that occurred for other reasons? I'm just curious about it. Desegregation yeah. was occurring. Um, and so it, it wasn't elected. It was something that happened. Mm. Yeah, it was something that happened. We, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is, I'm, I'm just fascinated by it. And I knew some of those things, but not from your experience, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So that's just so interesting to me. So thank you for sharing that. And then to get back to kind of try to get us back to present day in terms of where you were at. I just love this woman in your life that you've shared um, that was like a sponsor and a mentor for you in a space that you needed it and clearly fostered a God-given gift that you have. And so, you know, kind of fast forwarding that a little bit. um, Wow. So you go from kind of a real tough situation, whereas you explained single parenting um, and not really sure what you're supposed to be doing, but then you find this purpose. And so how did that then propel you into your business? (laughs) I, I love, at first I didn't like working with kids cause I'm just like, oh man, these kids, like they are, oof. but then like through like trainings, like I'm a disciplinarian at heart and like the kids taught me respect. Kids want boundaries and kids love anybody that will actually discipline them or have a mutual line of respect for them. Mm-hmm. Um, kids are people, mm-hmm. they have voices, they have opinions they like to be heard too. Mm. Um, so uh, I will say that working with kids, even though it's not a lot of money in it, it gave me so many more things. It helped me to become a better parent. Mm. Um, and then it also, it it still kind of opened up doors for me to be able to still being able to do my business um, it was like kind of like a side hustle um, at first, you know, it was like two jobs. So I had my my nine to five and then I had my job that I did on the weekends. Mm-hmm. But it allowed me to always be a mom because my kids could always go wherever I was. Like I took my kids to work with me. And when I did vendor shows, I took my kids with me. So they also learned a lot in the process. Um, so now like when people see them, they're like, man, your mom is so dope. She's, oh my God. And they're just like, that's my mom. Like, that's all they knew growing up. (laughs) Yeah. It taught me a lot. And it's, I can instill in kids now, like what it is that I did learn and to tell them like, it's okay. Like you can have a business too. Um, so like my last job, I was a preschool teacher. So my classroom was mixed age, three, four and five year olds. And we had content standards and all those things that we had to keep up with. Well, I wore bracelets that I made and they loved them. So that became a area in my classroom, you know? And so my boss was just like, yeah, but that's not really um, a lesson. And I said, actually it is. It's teaching fine motor skills. It's teaching patterns. Um, it's te- like, and I had to, bro- I broke every content standard down to her to the fact that she literally couldn't say anything. <laughs> and she was just like, oh, okay. Yeah, I was, I've been waiting on this opportunity to break this down for you because I knew that you were going to have something to say. But I also like give kids a voice. A lot of parents were kind of like, you allow kids to say how they feel 
about you or to you. Absolutely. Like, why would I have them hold it in if they don't like me? That's fine. But we still are going to have a mutual line of respect for each other because we have to be with each other for eight to nine hours out of a day. (laughs) It just has to work. Yeah. Very wise. Um, Yes. It seems like a a gift again. So it's not just the creativity, but it's like you said, you have a heart for kids when we started talking and I can hear that in everything you're doing, what you're saying. And it's really, really beautiful, Nikki. Thank you. Cool. So can you just then share with me, I love how you shared all of that with kids and I can see that really awesome connection. When, how long did you do that work and are you um, full-time with a studio and every, and can you just share now about what you do with this thriving, wonderful business that you have with this um, focus on creativity? Yes. Um, So um, I worked with kids for 22 years. Um, I still, I may work in the summer for like a summer camp and it's always a summer arts camp where I can still like be creative and still teach at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I am full time. Uh, I have a studio at 400 West Rich Street, which is an old porcelain warehouse that has been refurbished into an art space. So there are over 100 studios in there. Um, and then we have like opportunities um, where the building is actually open to the public so that they can come in and meet the artist and walk in our studios and kind of see what we do, ask us questions, um, buy art. And then one of uh, Dana is a, she used to be my neighbor across the hall from me, but she's now downstairs and we've kind of partnered and we do acrylic pour workshops. Mm. Um, like twice a month for people. And those are going really, really well. And then uh, I host like a mobile paint party for people that want a paint party experience, but don't can't afford to like rent a venue or anything. So I just provided a mobile space because it was needed um, where I can just pack up a paint party in my car and take it to someone's house and they can still have the same experience for a little less money than they would pay like renting out a venue to have it done. Yeah. I love that. Um, for a lot of reasons, cause I think, and I'm, I'm sure listeners can relate. And I believe this, that I think too often we allow that creativity to die inside of us at the cost of pursuing what the world thinks we should be doing. Right. Uh, and it Absolutely. sounds like you did that for a good portion of your life. And I did. I love that you're giving this service to people, um, you know, because we don't all want to have a station of Crayola <laughs> in our houses. <laughs> I don't know how else to put that. What I mean by it is that if this isn't something we're doing on a regular basis, but we want to get back in touch with that creative side because we all have it. And for me to say that out loud is not easy because for me, I don't have... Um, a lot of self-efficacy when it comes to my own creativity with art and drawing and I mean, cutting on straight lines and <laughs> my creativity comes more in uh, music and putting words together. Uh, but okay. there is something about um, the joy that we can find in just pursuing that creative side. And I'm sure you see that all the time, right? Yes. Um, what is it that drives you to do something like that to you know, pack up and bring your, your passion and your world to someone's home. I mean, what do you, what is it a need that you feel like you're filling? I I get to show people that they can still like 
that they're still creative Mm. because like you said, a lot of people don't believe that they're creative. Like, Oh my God, I haven't painted or drawn since like I was in elementary school or since I was in high school. Mm. And I just, I'm like, I can't draw a straight line. I can't, I can't draw a stick figure. And I'm like, you actually can. You just have to focus on what it is that you want to do. So where the paint party kind of turns into ministry for me is when the host picks like they want to do self portraits. Mm. And so that's when I kind of see where people really don't like themselves Mm. because I'll say, Oh, we're doing self portraits. And they're like, Oh, I got to paint me. And I'm like, hold on. What do you mean? uh?" Like, what do you not like about yourself that you don't want to look in the mirror and then replicate it on a canvas? Mm. I'm like, that's something deeper. Mm hmm. You know, and people are like, man, like you're about to make me cry thinking about this. And I'm just like, well, cry if that's what you need to do. Art is therapeutic. I said, find a picture that you like when you felt you were your best. Paint that picture Mm. or paint something that you would change differently about yourself or how you see yourself. If you don't see yourself how you see it in a picture, then paint what you see or paint how you feel. You don't necessarily have to do a self-portrait but if the paint is something that you just want to do and you just want to paint then do that I'm not a stickler on you have to do what I say and I allow people to pick their colors people have colors that they use that they're drawn to for a reason so I'm not one to take away from anybody's creativity like I treat adults like they're big kids (laughs) (laughs) because after they've had a a couple sips of wine or a couple (laughs) glasses that's what they are anyway by the end of the party session (laughs) oh my goodness I love it I'm just I'm sitting here listening to you and I am so excited that I'm able to share you with the community and I'm sure that many are listening to this really relating and I have the same uh, call to, as you said, you know, you turn it into ministry. I've lately been feeling this and it's come through in the message that I just shared without even really planning on this idea of lead with faith. The F is free to be you. And what I'm finding is so few of us really want to know truly who we are uh, because yep. the world just starts to layer on. And, and that comes from, you know, shaming. It comes from hiding, um, you know, there's so many different reasons why we don't want to sit in self-reflection. And I love how you say that art is a is a form of therapy. And it makes me think, like, what hurt started so long ago that um, makes it hard for us to want to draw ourselves, but also just knowing that art is deep and it is, um, you have to get in touch with parts of your core to do it. Uh, I wonder if that's a part of why we don't engage in it, you know, because we don't want to get too deep, I think. Right. Yeah. We don't want to get too deep. We want to do the surface. Um, we want to do the surface stuff. And, it, you know, a lot of people, when you ask, you know, how you doing? Oh, I'm okay. I'm good. No, really, how are you doing? You know, people, so for me, when people were asking me and I wasn't doing well, and they're like, how you doing? I'm not. Mm-hmm. And I would walk, like, I would just keep going. And they're like, I don't know how to respond to that. I know (laughs) you're used to the cliche, like, Oh, I'm okay. I'm good. Well, I'm not. And I don't know when I'm going to be. And it's okay for me to say that because I don't want to, I'm, I, it's kind of hard because I'm, my hair is like super short, like almost bald headed. And I don't, have anything to hide my face Mm -hmm. so my face will kind of show how I feel anyway so my mouth would it really can't lie about what the face is already showing you Mm -hmm. 
You are um, such a deep well. <laughs> I just love it. Oh, I loved Dwight, but now I realize God gave him to me so I could have you. That's what I'm thinking right now. <laughs> well, that is awesome. Well, it's just so true. I, I never expect to have such a great deep conversation with you, um, mostly because I didn't know we would go there. And that's what I love about this podcast is just knowing that I'm supposed to be amplifying you um, so that somebody out there is listening to our conversation and they needed to hear that. I wanted to get to something else um, because I just think it's so awesome and I think critical. And I have a calling myself to continue to learn more and be better and see myself in the position that I am in the world and use some of that privilege um, to open up the conversations and amplify the conversations that we need. Um, So, you know, thank you for taking the road with me about busing. But I'm also curious, would you share a little bit? I see that you use your art, um, for some activism. And I see that it says to educate the significance and relevancy of African-American art. Do you want to share just a little bit about some of that passion of you? Yes, I'll say this. So in the building that I'm in, there are not a lot of black artists in there. And so for me, everything that I paint is is black. And, you know, people are like, I mean, do you not like white people? And I said, I, I've have a lot of white friends like I'm cool with a whole but I'm cool with a lot of people Mm -hmm. I said but I'm black and I create black art because when I started we just didn't have it like I like t-shirts and the only time I could find a black t-shirt was at a festival that I went to Um, so I couldn't go into a store and find a Dorothy Dandridge but I can go into a store and find a Marilyn Monroe shirt Mm -hmm. so I kind of started to create a lane where we're relevant as well. Mm. You know what I mean? And so um, I've done a couple pieces um, that were conversation starters. So one of the pieces is um, it's an American flag and it has a silhouette of a black man on it. And then in the corner on the stars, I wrote, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. So that piece got added to mm. it. And it was just plain at first. And I still have it. I think I created it about four years ago and I still have it. But then since then, and what has been happening in America, um, I wanted bullet holes shot in it, but that kind of fell through and didn't happen. But I was like, I still need something else to go with this piece. So I kind of added to it. I added some words to the black man, how like the news kind of portrays us as thugs and, you know, all these other negative words. And then um, I got some bullet casings and I glued it to a part of the canvas and then I just dripped red blood from it. So now the piece is done, but I, and it's hanging up in my studio. So when the public comes in and they're just like, "Ooh, that hurts, but it's our truth. Yes. And they're like, man, you know, like, I'm so sorry. I apologize. And I'm like, it's, it's okay. Like I have to create our reality as sucky as it is. This is what it is. Sometimes people want to make art fruitful and, you know, sprinkles and unicorns and butterflies. And that's great. And that's cool. Um, but art is a time like poetry for you to be able to express how you feel about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Even even if you don't have the words to say it, I say it with a brush and paint. 
And that's your medium of truth and it's your medium of therapy and your medium of education. And I love it. I love every part of that (laughs) person who just really is so grateful um, to have the, to have the conversations that a lot of people won't have. Mm -hmm. And we just want to ignore it. And I would say too, it's just an area personally that I've been trying to grow in. I've been reading, you know, books and educating myself and taking that spoon and feeding myself because I've always been a person who growing up through education and learning about realities that weren't a part of my lens growing up that feels this, I don't know how else to put it, but this rising and this tension and almost like a pain in my chest Yes, to just do better, you know? Um, And I think anybody that was listening that heard you say, you know, the things that are going on and don't see the challenges that we face bigger than, than I've ever experienced. And I'm, I'm only been alive for not quite 40 years. But there's a, a tension point in the American society that's starting to really, I think, pull back some of the veils and the covers that we like to put on in our whitewashed world. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And so thank you for allowing me to go there uh, with you on the podcast. It's uh, I think it's important that we're willing and able and and wanting to have the conversations. And so I'm going to, I and unfortunately I have to cut us off for this one, but but Nikki, I am just so grateful that you joined uh, and that I was able to share. And there's so much depth here with your creativity. But I wanted to be able to ask you the two standard questions because I just know that you're going to give us some gold here. And my listeners love hearing these responses from the guests. And so the first question that I have for you is, if you were able to write a letter to yourself um, at any age or stage in this wonderful life that you've lived, what would you say? I would say embrace your weirdness. In high school, I knew I was weird. Um, but I was like in the in crowd. Mm -hmm. So I was like cool with everybody, but I did not like to look like everybody else. I just tell people to embrace your you, be who you are meant to be and don't lose your voice. I would say it just like that. Like don't lose your voice, embrace your you and embrace who you are meant to be. I think the thing that I love about that advice to yourself is that it seems like you've lived that. And of course, none of us live our missions perfectly, but it's really kind of beautiful to hear you say that now, like you said, 50 to say, um, you know, don't lose that voice. And you've, it seems like you've had a nice laser focus on that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm sure that there's been a lot of challenge to keep that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so my next question is that as an influential woman, um, if, if a listener's hearing this conversation today and they're finding themselves in a pit of fear or doubt related to any of the topics that we've covered today, what do you think you could say to help them kind of rise up out of it? I mean, it's easy to get lost in what everybody else is doing. It's okay to find your own lane and stay in it. It's okay to, you know, if a relationship isn't working, but everybody else thinks like, oh, you know, on the outside looking in, it's okay to be like, I, this no longer serves me or it's okay. Like I need my peace. I need to be, I need to find myself. I need to love myself again. It's okay to be like, this is not working. It's okay to walk away. It's okay to tune out others' opinions of your life. Mm. Um. And it's okay to keep going. Some, you know, life gets hard in, in business and being a creative or um, being an educator. Like, it's, I know it's hard. It's, whew, it's draining. 
at most days, you know what I mean? And it's just like, if this is what you're gifted to do, God will be there no matter what. Yeah, just keep going. Nikki, I just, I know that message landed with whomever needed to hear it and they know who they are right now listening to that. So I just really appreciate you. I'm so grateful. I've always been grateful to know Dwight. I'm exceptionally grateful to know you and I cannot wait for um, my listeners to come to your story and I know they're going to want to get in touch with you. And of course, listeners, as you know, I will always link everything. I'll make sure that you can get a hold of Nikki on the socials and on her website. Is there any way that you would recommend um, that's best for listeners to get in touch with you? They can do use my email address. Um, I'm very responsive on Facebook and my business page and um, also on my website. Awesome. Well, I will make sure that we can get them connected to you. And Nikki, I just want to thank you again from the very depths of my heart. You have filled me to the brim and I needed it more than I thought today. And I'm just so grateful that you said yes and you joined me on this wonderful, inspiring interview. I'm so glad that you asked and because uh, I was nervous <laughs> uh, to participate, but I am glad that I did. Awesome. Thank you. I continue to be completely awe-inspired by every single guest on this podcast, and I am so grateful every time you choose to share, rate, review an episode. It matters so greatly to the mission and the message of our guests, and I appreciate every time you help one another rise by lifting up the message. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you being a part of this awe-inspiring community.